it starts from the very beginning from parents. So one, honestly, looking at who's in your community. Do you know the stories of people that you interact with? When you're choosing books or television shows or YouTube videos, are are you showing a diversity of skin color, of religion, of just the visuals of it? So, you know, with my books, one of my main requests to my publisher is that these books need to represent the diversity of children. So you'll see that like there's all colors, all ethnicities, all religions, and in just be you really a deeper dive into understanding religion. So as parents, we don't all live, you know, I had a unique experience as a person of color, you know, all white town, not everyone has that experience, but people can make a choice to have conversations with people. One of the exercises I have in the book is mindful listening. So really being with someone and hearing their story and sharing stories. And um, that's kind of how we grow as communities that are more conscious and more mindful of each other's backgrounds. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Did you know that according to UNICEF, babies as young as six months notice physical differences, including skin color. Studies show that by the age of five, children have begun to treat people differently depending on their racial and ethnic background, favoring some over others. Inequality is everywhere. There's simply no way to shield children from it. So what can you do? Well, arm your children with awareness. Ignoring inequality doesn't protect children from it. When kids are exposed to bias, discrimination and inequality without understanding what's happening, they often end up feeling isolated, lost and unsafe. This has a negative impact on their confidence, development and emotional well-being. To arm your children with awareness and understanding of inequality requires getting comfortable talking about different topics like ableism, sexism, racism and classism. While there's no one right way to have these conversations, what research finds is that the earlier parents start having these discussions, the more effective their children will be in dealing with the challenges of inequality that they encounter every day. In today's episode, we're joined by Malika Chopra, daughter of the well-known thought leader Deepak Chopra. Malika is a mother, author, and public speaker, and she's written a series of Just Be Books for Children to help them tackle difficult topics like body positivity, diversity, and inclusion. These include Just Breathe, Just Feel, and Just Be You. Today, we'll discuss how to arm your children with awareness and why this is a critical first step in helping the next generation navigate and overcome the inequality that exists in everyday life. The benefits of meditation have been widely researched, including the positive effects that it has on children, like increased attention, attendance, and performance in school, along with more empathy and respect for others. 
Robert W. Coleman Elementary School in Baltimore in the United States has replaced attention with meditation. According to an article in Upworthy, misbehaving pupils are encouraged to sit in a dedicated room and to go through practices like breathing or meditation, helping them to calm down and recenter. They're also asked to talk through what happened. Here, Malika shares why meditation and mindfulness can help children to build confidence and understanding of differences in everyday life. Meditation and mindfulness has many benefits, and these practices are wisdom traditions, so they have lasted thousands of years, but in the last few decades, more research has um, shown the benefits. So everything from physical benefits like lowering blood pressure, releasing endorphins and good hormones, helping people transition from autonomic fight-flight response to a more intentional response. We also see that meditation helps with things like insomnia and depression. So there are many, many benefits, both for adults and for kids. I grew up in a small town outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and my parents had immigrated here from India. So in our town, there were three families of color. So there was our family, there was a Asian American Chinese family and a family from Bangladesh. And so from a young age, we always felt different, you know, and I think every child feels different in their own way. But for us, it was very much also because of the color of our skin. And I think what my parents did in a really beautiful and nurturing way for my brother and I was from the beginning, give us tools to really feel confident in ourselves, to appreciate our culture, to explore our names um, and what that meant and where we came from, and to constantly ask ourselves questions like, what do I want? How can I serve? What am I grateful for? And so, you know, I we grew up different. And I think that's why Just Be You for Me of the series of books that I wrote is something that feels very special and unique to me because it really does explore how can we celebrate the uniqueness of kids and and kids today um, around the world many are growing up in really multicultural environments Um, my nephew is half Indian half Chinese so even identity is shifting and I think that's why it's really important to give kids tools to one, explore themselves, but then also appreciate the differences of their friends and their community. In Malika's Just Be You book series for children, she provides kids with the skills needed to be independent and meet challenges head on. Designed specifically with kids aged 8 to 12 in mind, these books offer mindful exercises to help young people explore, reflect and find their voice. Malika believes that if children learn early on to take time out to become aware and comfortable with individual differences and uncertainty, they can make a greater contribution to their community and navigate the difficulties of inequality in everyday life. What I've heard about the books, which is really nice, is that they're relatable to kids, but also to adults. And I think the reason is, is these are really simple exercises. We can add all of the science and the research and the philosophy around them. But at the end of the day, the practices are quite simple. It starts with just taking a deep breath often 
in and out. It continues with more breathing, more mindfulness exercises, meditation, but then also being aware of our body. So body awareness and how our bodies hold feelings and emotions. And then of course, um, self-reflection and intention. I wanted to write books for kids that kids could read directly and understand these concepts. So I wrote it in really, really simple language, almost like bullet points, so that it was just, this is how you do it. And I think what uh, my publishing company and the artists did is they packaged it in this incredibly beautiful, multicultural, very diverse set of children showing the exercises. So it really was a group project that way. But the exercises really are simple at the end of the day. I learned to meditate when I was nine and I knew the gift that my parents had given me with that tool. And as a parent myself, I wanted to give my kids that gift. And in turn, I started teaching, you know, my daughter's Girl Scout group and going to their classroom. And so over time, I also learned uh, how to speak to children in a way that is sharing, that's fun, that involves laughter, that isn't serious. And I think COVID has added a new twist, the pandemic, to this. We as parents, I think, as teachers, we're very used to scheduling our children. And so I think pre-pandemic, one of the things that just we'd read about in uh, magazines and online and parenting experts was how our kids are so busy and they're so scheduled. I think what this last year has done is actually by taking them out often in a very traumatic way of school and all of their extracurriculars and the busyness of their days, we've actually kind of gone back to like, let's explore this idea of just being, just, you know, being bored, not being alone sometimes, um, being lonely. Like there's both the positive, I wouldn't even say positive and negative, but, you know, there's a spectrum of feelings that comes when we are being. When we're doing, we get so caught up in just the tasks of every day that we forget, not just kids, but adults, we forget the essence of who we are. So the goal of all of my books is to reconnect with that sense of self that we can carry with us throughout different phases of our life, throughout different activities, good and bad, and also to kind of constantly just check in so that we're feeling anchored. But it's very easy in the just doing to kind of forget about that and just kind of keep doing what you're doing. And I think as parents and teachers, we often do that for our kids because we think that, oh, if they're just scheduled, they're busy and they'll be fine. Whereas I do think maybe one of the lessons of the pandemic has been, let's just kind of be, and that isn't always easy, but it's, there's something healing to it as well. The starting point for tackling any form of inequality is becoming aware of it. Without awareness, it's too easy to deny people's different lived experiences. And when we do this, we deny difference. Regardless of a child's age, every parent can help their kids to become more aware of the diversity at school, home and in local communities. To do this well, parents can use the fantastic age-based tools developed by UNICEF. Here are our top five. 
The first is to encourage your children to recognize and celebrate differences. If your child asks about someone's skin color, you can use it as an opportunity to acknowledge that people do indeed look different, but to point out as well the things we have in common. You could say, we're all human, but we're all unique. Isn't that amazing? Second, encourage your children to practice curiosity and ask questions. For example, if your children point out people who look different, as young children often do from curiosity, avoid shushing them or they'll start to believe it's a taboo topic. Instead, encourage them to ask you questions. Third, talk openly, having honest and open discussions about racism, inequality, diversity and inclusivity builds trust with your children. It encourages them to come to you with questions and worries. If they see you as a trusted source of advice, they're likely to engage with you on this topic more. Fourth, be open. Make it clear that you're always open to your children's questions and encourage them to come to you with them. Listening and asking questions is the first step. Ask what they're hearing at school, on television and through social media. Fifth, encourage action. Being active on social media is important for many teenagers. Some may have begun to think about participating in online activism. Encourage them to do that as a way to respond and engage with these issues and help them to do this safely and positively. The reality is we're not trained how to become parents. Like we don't go to school and like we don't learn the science of it. And, you know, that we can delve deeper into that, which is something I've been doing recently. But like everyone else, when I became a parent, I was like, oh my God, what do I do now? (laughs) So I think one The mindfulness part of parenting for me has been that this is a journey that I'm going on with this beautiful being that I've been gifted. And part of that journey is recognizing that sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, being vulnerable, asking questions, being honest in an age-appropriate way with my kids when I don't know what we're doing. And most importantly, from what I've learned from my parents was my parents had meditation and mindfulness practices, intentional practices where we set intents. My dad taught us that at a young age. And my parents never forced me or my brother to do anything from the beginning. They taught us how to meditate. My dad would have us kind of say affirmations and things like that, but only when we wanted to. Rather, we were taught by their example, not by their words. And that's something that I've tried to do in my own parenting journey with my girls. I think it starts from the very beginning from parents. So one Honestly, looking at who's in your community, do you know the stories of people that you interact with when you're choosing books or television shows or YouTube videos? Are are you showing a diversity of skin color, of religion, of just the visuals of it? So, you know, with my books, one of my main requests to my publisher is that these books need to represent the diversity of children. So you'll see that like there's all colors, all ethnicities, all religions, and in just be you really a deeper dive into understanding religions. So as parents, we don't all live, you know, I had a unique experience as a person of color, you know, 
all white town. Not everyone has that experience, but people can make a choice to have conversations with people. One of the exercises I have in the book is mindful listening. So really being with someone and hearing their story and sharing stories. And um, that's kind of how we grow as communities that are more conscious and more mindful of each other's backgrounds. Meditation can be a helpful tool for children in not only centering themselves, but coping with the challenges of everyday life. Here, Malika shares one action that parents can take to enable their kids to build awareness. So much of our media, so much of what kids are seeing all the time are manufactured physical appearances. We see that also on social media. You know, they're constantly, as they grow older, seeing other, you know, people basically post beautiful photos of themselves, um, not the most vulnerable or when they're in an unhealthy place. And so for me also, my children who are Indian, both my husband and I are Indian, grew up here in Los Angeles, where really often the body type and the beauty is a little bit more manufactured. And that was something in our family we dealt with from the beginning, because even as a mom, I look different, you know? And so I realized that it starts often with children with the physical, not just how, what body type they are, but like, are they a fast runner or do they get chosen on a team? And, you know, we all bring different physical aspects to our lives. And so for kids to connect with their body and to approach it more like, am I taking care of my body? Am I giving my body the energy and the rest and the sleep it needs? Am I feeling strong? So not thinking about the physical as much, but really how can I take care and serve my body and know my body in a way through a body awareness exercise, I think in the long run is a healthier way to approach, um, you know, that physical aspect of ourselves. The Chopra app is now uh, available and it's full of meditations and people may be familiar with the 21 day meditation series that my father has done with Oprah Winfrey. Um, so those are all there. But again, my passion is children and families and um, also educators because I want to I know that many teachers are looking for tools in the classroom. We launched on the Chopra app a family well-being uh, series which has different meditations for children for parents on how to be mindful parenting but then also exercises that you can do as a family together um, and we'll keep adding to that but you know everything from mindful eating exercises to mindful walks to a gratitude exercise you know at mealtime or before going to sleep or setting an intention in the morning with your kids you know maybe depending on how the world and life evolves but as you're driving them to school or taking them to the bus just setting a little intent for the day. So there are many things we can do as families which connect us on this level. I would say it really begins with just breathing. It really is a very simple exercise that we can do anytime, any place, and everyone has access to. So just but as we finish, just taking a deep breath in and out. That one experience is something we can share with our kids, we can bring into the classroom, we can bring into our own life when we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed, just to connect. And in that breath, 
you find that you actually, for that moment, pause from all the racing thoughts that you have and you just feel a sense of peace. Finally, Malika shares one action that parents can take to parent in a mindful way. Going back to we are human beings, not human doings, I think the first step is for adults to find a practice. And that practice may be breathing, it may be yoga, it may be mindful walks, it may be martial arts. So it's something that brings you a sense of peace and connection. Then I would say the intention part comes in just be you where I've structured it around who am I, what do I want, how can I serve, and what am I grateful for? And I think if we start with those questions, very basic questions, which are very big questions, but we break them down and even as adults explore them, what we do is we start to learn more about who we are beyond the labels, you know, so for me, I say I'm a mom, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an author and public speaker, but actually who I am is not just those labels, right? It's that experience that I carry with me at different points in my life. And so intentions are really our deepest desires. They are who we aspire to be. And intentions are very different from goals. For me, intentions come from the soul when I ask, what do I want? Versus my goals, you know, which are something different. So when we were young, my father, after meditation, would often have us say a phrase. Um, It goes like this. I'm responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and set the goals I will achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. And then he would ask us, what do you ask for? So we'd ask for tickets to the Celtics, a trip to Hawaii, new Atari games and clothes. And then he'd say, okay, we'll work on that. But what about asking for love, connection, inspiration, a sense of purpose? So intentions are really those deepest desires for health, connection, a sense of purpose and inspiration. And, you know, just because this conversation is framed around the diversity and inclusion part, what I want to recognize is actually that phrase that my dad had us say. Often when we say I'm responsible for what I see, actually in context now, you know, we recognize that there's really inherent structural racism and organizations that have not empowered people. So I do want to just call that out, even though I share that phrase, that even phrases like that need to be evolved. And so that's why in my books, I've really focused on what do I want and setting those intentions. Thank you all for tuning in today. I hope you found this episode as inspiring and insightful as I did. What resonated most for me is the importance of intentionality and curiosity in how we think, in what we do, and as critical tools to give our children. I know it can be gut-wrenching to have difficult conversations with your children about discrimination and inequality. We want to wrap our children in cotton wool and keep them safe, so it's not easy to tackle the reality that the world is not always fair. But whether we like it or not, inequality is everywhere. And at some point, children will be exposed to it. Their ability to deal with it, however, 
depends very much on how well we've prepared them for that reality. As anyone who's tried to navigate a tricky car journey whilst being interrogated from the back seats will know, children are naturally curious, hungry to learn and love to ask questions. The good news is you don't have to have all the answers. To arm your kids with awareness, all you have to do is be intentional about creating a safe space for them to talk about difficult topics, be open and curious about learning together and remember that silence isn't an option. As parents, we innately understand that each child has their own amazing and unique attributes. And we spend a lot of our time teaching our children to be who they are and to know that they are enough. But when we also teach them to extend this approach to others, to actively value and celebrate people's differences, we're arming them with the tools to make a positive difference in the world. With those tools, they can be equality architects who understand the importance of building a more equal world and equality warriors who spot and call out inequity wherever they see it. Before you go, just a quick reminder to check out the 100 Actions for Equality campaign, which provides 100 actions you can take every day to create a more equal working world. Just visit 100actionsforequality.com. Thank you for tuning into our episode today. If you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again, and I'll catch you all again next week.